What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. Guys, we're at episode 20. Thank you guys who've supported the journey so far. I never thought that we'd make it to 20 episodes, but we're getting through the dog days of summer, and football season is right around the corner. Guys, we are in July. This is the last month without NFL football until March 2022. I am so excited. I am so, so excited. With that being said, you know, I want to give you a timestamp like I do for all of my episodes. So today is actually Tuesday, July 13th. It's about 5 o'clock p.m. And the Washington football team is exactly two weeks away from opening up training camp in Richmond. The um, training camp um, starts on Tuesday, July 27th. And I cannot wait. Of course, I'll be down there for the last two days in Richmond, um, that Friday and that Saturday. And like I said, I can't wait. Um, and I, like I said before, guys, thank you for your, uh, all of your support so far for our first 20 episodes. I hope you guys enjoyed my last episode, the collaboration part we did with the Raw with Rio podcast with my guy, the fan ambassador, Rio Robinson, and the Tay and Todd podcast. Be sure to t- check those guys out. They're pushing out content. They're pushing out good stuff over there. Everything Washington football team re- um, related. And those are my guys. Those are some of the guys that I'll be in um, training camp with. So if you see us, just post a wave. Don't be free. Don't be scared to say hey because we'll be looking for you guys as well. I cannot wait, guys. Football season is here. So with that being said, like I said, guys, we're in the middle of July. It's the dog days of the summer. But there is some things that us over at Bleed and B&G need to talk to you guys about. Remember, we said we're going to push you guys through these dog days. Come on, we're your content. We're your number one hub for everything Washington football team related. So with that being said, referring to the dog days of the summer, there isn't much news regarding the team and much news going on circulating in the NFL as a whole. Um, the biggest pieces of news that have come out within the last week or since our last episode is that um, CEO or our team um, team CEO Jason Wright announced that um, the Washington football team expects to reveal or unveil their new name and logo by early 2022. So that's early next year. And then a couple days later, um, actually yesterday, um, Monday, July 12th, if I'm not mistaken, he said that the name Warriors um, was out of the running because the future name doesn't want to have any connotation um, or direct um, affiliation to any racial connotation or um, to like the Native Americans um, offense, being offensive to them and things as that um, as well. So he um, eliminated the name um, Warriors from you know the team search. I know that was one of the popular names amongst the Washington football team community as far as our future name. And I know a lot of people are disappointed in that name. I never really thought Warriors was in the running. I do have a name that I think may come true. And with a lot of the news coming out and a lot of the hints and things that they're giving us, I think that this this may actually be the name. But I don't want to put it out there too far yet and it doesn't end up being the name. But I do have a, a guess at what I think the Washington football team's name is going to be on the two, um, by the 2022 season. So if you're listening to this or you're watching us on YouTube, Please comment. What do you guys think that I think our name is going to be? Or what do you think that the name is going to be? Um, so remember, Jason Wright eliminated um, the Warriors out of the contention. And he said that the future name isn't going to have any affiliation to any racial connotations or things like that. 
So that's the biggest piece of news regarding the Washington football team um, that has came out since our episode 19. But like I said, we're going to be pushing out a lot of content throughout these dog days. We're going to get you through the dog days of the summer. So this is what we're going to do today. Today, the main purpose of this episode is I want to give you the Bleeding B&G's Final 53 breakdown pre-training um, camp. So this is our pre-training camp final 53-man breakdown. So you guys um, know, if you guys know, um, the Washington football team has to cut their roster down from 90 at the beginning of training camp to the final 53, which are the players that are going to be active during the season. So they have 53 slots that they need to fill, and we're going to give you our projections for those 53 players that will make the Washington football team's final cuts and remember guys this is pre-training camp so there's a lot of activities and events that can transpire that can affect this depth chart or can affect our projections but this is why this is a pre-training camp outlook this is a pre-training camp um, projection um, we're going to look back after we um, come back from training camp after I get home from Richmond and I'm going to look back and see how many of these names actually you know came to fruition how accurate was i giving you our 53 man um, projection was i 53 out of 53 i'm pushing for it to be at least you know i don't want to be too off i'm pushing for to be at least like 49 or 50 right um but i like to think that i got a, a a pretty good you know hold of things going on in the washington football team over there at um washington uh, football team park I guess that's what they're calling it now uh, for somebody that's not um, affiliated with the team I think I got a pretty good hold on um, what they're gonna do um, so I'm shooting for somewhere between 49 and 50 but you know why not be perfect why not get all 53 right so today bleeding BNG is going to give you our pre-training camp final 53 man mock um, final 53 man projection for the roster of the Washington football team all right, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get the specialists out the way. That's where the least drama is going to be. That's where we know that our positions are solidified. That's where we know that we're going to be having players playing at the long snapper, the punter, and the kicker position. So our three specialists that I think are solidified on the roster are Cameron Cheeseman, Tress Way, and Dustin Hopkins. I think that Cameron Cheeseman and both uh, both Cameron Cheeseman and Tress Way are locks, with Tress Way being one of the best punters in the league, and Cameron Cheeseman being an actual draft pick of this regime um, this past year in the 2021 NFL Draft. You know, a lot of teams don't spend draft capital on long snappers. Those are kind of the guys you find as priority free agents or undrafted free agents. And the fact that we spent a draft pick on Cameron Cheeseman just shows that he has a pretty tight stranglehold on that roster spot at the long snapper position. Now, the one specialist who I think's job may be in limbo is Dustin Hopkins because he did have some inconsistencies last season. But there isn't anybody on the roster just yet to push him. So as of right now, you know, I think that he's going to be solidified as, you know, the kicker for the Washington football team. So that locks up three positions as far as our specialists go. So that leaves us with 50 more open roster spots so for our breakdown we went for 26 um players um were selected um made the cut on the offensive side of the ball and then 24 players on the defensive side of the ball um made the cut so we had our final 53 the only person that um, was on the physically unable to perform this is landon collins so that means that 
while he didn't initially make the final 53-man roster, he's still on the roster. You know, um, he has about, I think, the first six weeks of the season to um, get cleared. And if he's activated and the team feels like he's good to go, they would have to remove one of the guys that made the initial 53-man roster. So for our bleeding BNG projections, we had put Landon Collins on the PUP list. Just because, guys, he suffered an Achilles injury in October. And you got to think, that's about nine months ago. And Achilles is, tends to be like a 12 to 15-month injury. And that's for, like, basketball players and guys that are lighter and leaner than somebody like Landon, who's, who's carrying about 220 to 235 30 pounds to his frame at all times. So, you know, I just think, you know, while I did see him out in minicamp, they said he didn't do any um, team drills or any full speed drills. I, that was promising to see that he was walking around and doing some, you know, solo individual stuff. But I don't think that he's going to be ready in two weeks. Because remember, guys, I just said that the training camp is two weeks away. And I am very excited about that. So, Landon Collins is on our PUP list, and what we're going to do now is give you the breakdown of our offense. So, we're going to go through all the offensive positions, and you guys see the, you guys can hear the 26 offensive players that we think make the initial final 53-man roster. At quarterback, we're going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Cal Allen. For this position, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is your clear starter. Um, you know, he's been a journeyman, but he's somebody that has had a late career spark. And if you guys saw on my uh, collaboration podcast with the guys that I mentioned, I think that, you know, this situation is set up for somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick to have like a Rich Gannon um, type of career ending. You know, Rich Gannon, he wasn't really a stalwart in, um, early in his NFL career, but I think he won an MVP at 39, which is like a year older than where Ryan Fitzpatrick is right now. Um, because he was grouped with such a talented defense at Oakland and some playmakers, which I think we have. So I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick has a stranglehold on that QB1 roster, despite all the news coming out about Taylor Heineke looking mighty impressive in minicamp. That is why I think that Taylor Heineke is solidified as our quarterback two. And then Kyle Allen, you know, rounds up the quarterback position as our quarterback three. I personally think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have a very successful season starting all 16 games for, I think, the second time in his career because um, I think this is the best roster that he's been on in his NFL career. Uh, so for our um, quarterback position, we have three players, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Cal Allen. For our running back position, I only have us keeping three running backs, and I will explain why. That's kind of scarce uh, with today's NFL. You know, they usually keep like three running backs or a fullback. Uh, most NFL rosters don't contain a fullback or don't use a fullback now, so they'll keep four running backs. But I'll tell you why I only have um, three running backs making the final 53-man roster after I um, dabble off these names here. So the running backs that I have making the final 53-man roster are Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Lamar Miller. Now, the only name that might come to a shock to you guys is Lamar Miller. And that's because, you know, Peyton Manor, uh, Pey excuse me, Peyton Barber was um, holding that RB3 roster. And a lot of you guys are pushing for the undrafted free agent, Jared Patterson, who was a talented running back coming out of um, the University of Buffalo. But I think, you know, Jared Patterson just needs some time under his, um, some time under his ears to develop on the um, practice squad. Because that's a big jump, jumping from the FCS to the NFC East. But I do think that his talent is wanted. Um, and, you know, it can be potentially developed into a 
solid NFL back. I just think that he needs more time to develop, and the practice squad is a perfect place for somebody like Jared Patterson. Now, the reason that I have Lamar Miller beating out Peyton Barber is because I just think that Lamar Miller is a better overall running back. If you guys can remember, Lamar Miller was bought in midseason after um, you know Antonio Gibson had um, suffered his toe, turf toe injury, and he never really got a chance to shine. And I don't think that he really ever got a chance to get on track. We all got to remember the type of season that we were dealing with last season. It was a COVID season where, you know, he was bought in in December and he really couldn't talk to his coaches all week, um, couldn't really practice all week because, you know, that's that that's not what they were doing last season. Um, and then, he, you know, he was just coming off as very, you know, unprepared and unrusty, rusty and not to his fault, um, just with the circumstances that was dealing with the pan pandemic last year. But Lamar Miller is somebody who's been a thousand yard rusher. And I just think that he's a more dynamic and explosive back than Peyton Barber. Uh, I know we used Peyton Barber as a short yardage back last season, but I don't think I think that Antonio Gibson can do all that, can fulfill every role. I think that Antonio Gibson and Gibson can be your bell cow. I think that he can be your third down back with his receiver background coming from the University of Memphis. And we saw last year how many times he pushed the power forward. So I think that he can be your power back as well. And that is one of the few reasons why I only kept three running backs on the roster because I think that Antonio Gibson can serve in a plethora of roles where you don't need a necessarily a designated running back to fill a designated role because Antonio Gibson is your Swiss Army knife in that position. So I have us keeping three running backs. That's Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, who will be your primary third down back, um, who who might, who, you know, production may take a dip with Antonio Gibson, you know, seeing some third down back roles, and Lamar Miller. All right, moving on to wide receiver. Moving on to wide receiver. I actually have us keeping seven wide receivers, which is – some teams keep seven. Um, six is typical for most NFL rosters, but this is actually one of the reasons that I only kept three running backs as well. So let me go ahead and dabble off these wide receiver names, and then I'll go into my detail as to my thinking as to why these guys are going to make the final 53-man roster. So the wide receivers I have making the roster are Terry McLaurin, of course, our wide receiver one, a free agent acquisition, Curtis Samuel, our third-round draft pick, Diami Brown, Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and Isaiah Wright. Those are the seven wide receivers that I have making the final 53-man roster, and here's why. You know, Terry McLaurin, I expect him to be a top 10 wide receiver this year, especially with Brian Fitzpatrick pushing the ball downfield, so nobody's going to question why he made the roster. Um, Curtis Samuel, follow the money. He signed a, uh, a contract this year that was around, uh, I think it was like 12 to $13 million per year, so he's going to get his carries, and he's going to get his touches, and this is one of, he's going to get his targets, and he's going to get his touches, and this is one of the reasons why I only kept three running backs on the roster as well. If you know our coach, our coach Ron Rivera, one thing that he holds to his heart and that he is um, that he keeps as a high priority is positional flex and you know um, positional versatility, and that's something that Curtis Samuel has displayed. Um, he showed that against the Washington Football Team last season with two runs of over 20 yards, and I think that he's somebody that can play the halfback role in the pinch. No, you don't want him having you know 15 or 20 carries, but you know if you if you want 
want Antonio Gibson to get a breath. Um, Antonio Gibson with 4.39 speed. You putting an even more explosive athlete than Curtis Samuel with a 4.31 speed guy in the backfield and getting the touches where the defense is expecting him to usually line up in the slot or out wide, and you can catch the whole defense off guard. And you can do so many things with Curtis Samuel. And that is one of the reasons why I only kept three running backs on. And if you look at Curtis Samuel, he doesn't really have a typical wide receiver frame. He's built more like a stocky running back with a thicker, you know, torso and a thick, thicker calf uh, muscles and things like that. So I think that Scott Turner is going to get really creative and use Curtis Samuel in a plethora of ways. Uh, my third round draft pick, Diami Brown. I think that he's going to be an impact receiver, uh, if not right away, no, no later than week four. I think by week four, he's going to make an impact. He's going to catch one of those 60-yard bombs, and he's going to put himself on the map. Adam Humphreys, you know, he's the guy that, you know, has had two, uh, his last two seasons have been pretty injury ravaged, but he's the guy that has a good rapport with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to be a guy that I expect, you know, third and three when we need to move the chains. He's going to be that guy that's going to sit in the zone and get that first down for you just because of his toughness and his overall report because Ryan Fitzpatrick knows where he's going to be and he knows where Ryan Fitzpatrick wants him. Cam Sims after that season and you know we signed us signing him to that restricted free agent um, tender contract. I think that he's damn near a lock to um, for the final 53 as well. He's somebody that gives you a big body receiver at 6'5", and you saw last year that he was pretty good with contested catches. You think about the one-hand catch that he had against um, the Steelers. You think about the contested catch that he came down with in the New York Giants in the red zone. You, you know, he's somebody that gives you a big target, and somebody that, you know, the names that I've listed so far, I think Terry McLaurin might be the tallest, and he's, what, six feet, if that. So, you know, you get somebody like Cam Sims who's giving you five extra inches. He's giving you that he's giving you that jump ball threat of a receiver. And plus, his run blocking is a plus. And I, I know that's something that um, Ron Rivera loved as well. So, I think that Cam Sims makes the roster. I think that Antonio Gandy-Golden makes the roster as your second big body receiver. Um, coming out of the draft, you know, Antonio Gandy-Golden is coming off of a disappointing rookie season where he dealt with a plethora of injuries, and it always seemed like he was just behind, even in training camp. I know a lot of the reports were like, Gandy-Golden looks like he's unsure of the routes and the concepts that he's running and things like that. And that's something that you can expect with a guy coming out of Liberty, but we got to remember some of the things that made him an elite draft prospect is his elite physical training traits you know his way to track the ball in his air I don't think I saw him lose a, a contested catch I don't think I, I, I saw him lose a jump ball in college his his jump ball rate in college was like 90 to 10 or 100 to 0 it's not a 50 it wasn't a 50 50 with Gandy Golden at the University of Liberty uh, it was a 90 10 he's about to come down and get it so you know he's coming he was coming off of a somewhat disappointing rookie season but he still has those elite traits and if you can guys can remember at the end I think it was the last minute camp practice all, all the reporters were raving about his one hand catch um, that he had to end that practice session and that's something that you know we were expecting to see when he was drafted um, in the 2020 draft class because he is somebody that's giving you that big body receiver that's running a 4-5 uh, and he has those uh, physical traits I'm not sure how good of a route runner he is I think that he's a little bit stiff in his hips but if that's something he can improve on I think that he's he's solidified to um, be uh, to join this final Final 53 man and make this final 53 man roster. We have to remember that Ron Rivera and his regime drafted this guy. This wasn't necessarily the Martin Mayhew regime, but 
Antonio uh, Gandigoda was bought in during the Rivera era. Something, some, something that somebody like Kelvin Harmon can't hold a claim to because he was bought in under the Jay Gruden, the Bruce Allen era, and I think that that gives him the edge of uh, potentially joining, the, making the final fifty-three over a guy like Kelvin Harmon. And then last but not least, Isaiah Wright. Isaiah Wright is a guy who you know he's not really highly acclaimed. A lot of people don't really talk about him and things like that. But one of the reasons that you know I only kept three running backs on the roster as well is because Isaiah Wright has some of that positional versatility as well. Uh, he played a lot of running back at Temple, and he's somebody that's shown, you know, he has a prowess with the ball in his hands. If you guys can remember early last season, there were some games, I think I can remember vividly, like the Cleveland game, which was week three, where Isaiah Wright was, you know, seeing snaps before a guy like Steven Sims Jr. So that shows you that the guys in this regime under the Rivera era like a guy like Isaiah Wright, and he's somebody that can also you know, help out in the return game as well. I think at one of his years in the uh, at uh, Temple, he led um, the entire um, country. I think at the NCAA in kick return yardage. Um, that's something you know. I was kind of disappointed in his return ability um, during his rookie season, but we all have to remember he didn't have an off season to train. He doesn't. He didn't necessarily you know understand all the schemes working under you know our special teams coach because he didn't meet up with him or he didn't meet his special team coach until OT last year and that they didn't necessarily have a bunch of practice and that's one of the reasons why I don't think that the Washington football team necessarily ran a lot of kicks back last year. If you guys can remember Danny Johnson would catch the ball at the one and he would almost kneel the ball down instantly not even looking to return the ball and I think that that was just a conscious decision because that you know they didn't have a lot of time last season during the pandemic to work on a lot of special teams things. Um, so that is our seven wide receivers that I think are going to make the Washington football team final 53-man roster. Now moving on to the tight ends, where I think that four tight ends will make the roster. Logan Thomas, we all know why. He's our starter. He's our TE1 uh, coming off a breakout season where he had top five tight end numbers across the board. Um, John Bates. I have Simi Reyes making our final 53 roster, and I have Ricky Seal-Jones. The reason that um, I kept four tight ends is because I don't necessarily think that Simi Reyes is going to be ready um, by the end of training camp, but we have to remember, he was signed to a contract coming from that international players program. So he isn't somebody that we can just send to the practice squad. He, we, he would have to be waived. And, you know, at 6'5", 260 pounds, running a 4'640", what I think he had, what, 35 bench prep reps, I just don't want to give up on those physical freakish type athletes and those, like I don't I don't want to give up on a guy like Simi Reyes. I want to give him as much time possible. So I think that's why the Washington football team brought in a guy like Ricky Seal Jones during those early training camp practices when he sat is, is you know to develop Simi Sammy's Reyes. Um, Sammy's Reyes is a guy that came in with a lot of hype, and I think that you know th those numbers that I rattled off alone should allow him to you know. Uh, should buy him some time to develop on a roster while playing behind guys who, who are ready-made like John Bates, who I think might be the best tight end on the roster already. And then a guy who's uh, like a guy like Ricky Seals Jones, who has, who has had, you know, some success in the NFL through uh, with, with different teams. So, you know, um, having four tight ends on the roster, having those guys playing with uh, a great tight end like Logan Thomas, 
uh, is only going to develop Sammy's and help him get better in turn. So I don't think that he's going to be a guy that we're going to be able to stash on the practice squad. And I think this is why he is going to end up making the final 53-man uh, roster because six five athletes, six foot five athletes that run 260 pounds with a 10 pack and run a four, like a four six forty. Those guys don't grow on trees. And I think that we would be very very mistaken to let somebody like that. Um, you know, to wave somebody and let like somebody like that join another um, potential organization. All right, so let's get to the big uglies. Let's get to the big uglies. So I'm going to just list off all my offensive linemen. I have nine offensive linemen making the team for our offensive tackles. We have Charles Leno, Samuel Cosme, and Cornelius Lucas making the team for our guards. We have Wes Schweitzer, Eric Flowers, Sadiq Charles, and Brandon Scherf making the team. And for our interior linemen, our centers, we have Chase Rullier and Tyler Larson making the team. Um, Tyler Larson is somebody that has came over from the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, Ron Rivera is familiar with him. And I think that he was bought in for that reason, for the familiarity. If you guys can remember when Coach Rivera was first bought in, even before the 2020 season, he mentioned how much he loved familiarity. And that's why he bought in a lot of the guys from Carolina because, you know, he loves, you know, being comfortable and he loves the known. Um, so, yeah, um, the reason that I only kept three offensive tackles, which, you know, a lot of NFL rosters keep four is because I think while Cornelius Lucas is going to serve as your swing tackle with Charles Leno and Samuel Cosby starting, a guy like Sadiq Charles has the talent to play both guard and tackle. So remember guys, there's a theme going along with this roster construction and with my final 53-man projection. The guys that present positional effects and positional versatility are going to have a priority over guys who don't. And that's one of the reasons why I only kept three offensive tackles and I kept a guy like Sadiq Charles who can play both guard and tackle because you know a lot of people when he was drafted um in the fourth round of the 2020 draft a lot of people thought that Sadiq Charles could be could potentially be our future left tackle replacing Trent Williams now I know uh, some people thought that he may have some challenges um in that aspect because he has some he has shorter arms as compared to like league average for the NFL tackle but as far as his footwork his physical nature and his physical ability I see all the traits that he has to be a, a pretty good solid um tackle if not that an elite guard um so I think that Sadiq Charles is going to push a a lot of these guys and those are the nine linemen that I have making the Washington football team final 53 man roster I'll list those names again that was Charles Leno Samuel Cosme Cornelius Lucas Wes Schweitzer Eric Flowers Sadiq Charles Brandon Scherf Chase Rullier and Tyler Larson so those are the 26 offensive players that we have listed. So we've gone through our three uh, our three specialists. We've gone through our 26 offensive players. Now, last but not least, to round out episode 20 of the Bleeding G and B Bleeding BNG podcast, we're going to give you guys our 24 defensive players that I think are going to make our Washington Football Team roster. There's um the same thing the same thing lies with the defense as well, guys. Positional value of the positional flex and positional versatility is going to hold a premium when I'm thinking about these guys, which guys are going to make the roster and which guys aren't. So to start with our defensive ends, we have the Predator, Chase Young, no-brainer. We have Montez Sweat, no-brainer. And then I actually have James Smith Williams, James Smith Williams from NC State, William Bradley King, one of our draft picks, and Shaka Tony, 
um, one of our draft picks making the roster. So I have both of our seventh round um, draft picks from this past season making a roster, and then our seventh round draft pick from to 2020 season, James Smith Williams making a roster. The reason that I have those guys actually making the roster is because they present they present that pers- positional versatility. I remember seeing James Smith Williams running down on punt and kickoff coverage last year, and he was like the biggest guy on both teams. I'm like, who's this guy number 96 flying down making tackles? He's like a D tackle playing in special teams. It was James Smith Williams, and then you know, a guy like Shaka Tony, he's somebody that presents the capabilities of playing an off-ball linebacker role. So you know he was drafted to be a defensive end. So and then that's where I listed him here for my final 53-man projection. But he can surely be somebody who's playing the Sam or the weak side linebacker role come September. So I think that his roster spot is solidified because he he's a player at both those positions. Not only the pass rush defensive end, but like I said, he can play the Sam or the weak side off-ball linebacker position as well. And then William Bradley King is somebody who's a physical, who's, who's pretty, pretty, pretty impressive physically as well. Um, a six-foot-four defensive end. Um, and he's somebody who I think is going to be our, you know, our more consistent pass rusher, our more consistent, you know, situational pass rushers. Think of how we used Ryan Kerrigan last season. I think that that's the role that William Bradley King is going to have this um, season coming up. So those are our defensive ends. We actually keep five defensive ends, but the reason that it sounds like five defensive ends, which is a lot, because Shaka Tony has the capabilities of playing both defensive end and the off-ball linebacker. So moving on to our defensive tackles. We kept four defensive tackles, and it's the four horsemen. It's the four that we all know about. All four of them are great players. All four of them are dogs. And the four defensive tackles that I decided to keep are Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, and Tim Settle. We all we know about all four of those guys. You know, Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis. I mean, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne coming off dominant seasons where they put, you know, the Washington defensive line on the map as one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And that was without our best interior pass rusher in Matt Ioannidis, who had nine sacks in the 2019 season. So you got to think, with Matt Ioannidis returning and then Tim Saddle, who had more sacks than Jonathan Allen last year, bro, bro, bro. Like, it's an embarrassment of riches at the defensive tackle position. It is an embarrassment of riches at the defensive tackle position. A lot of news and notes coming out um, recently have been regarding what the Washington football team would do with the Jonathan Allen contract and whether they'll extend him or let him hit free agency last se- next season. And I think that they'll actually extend him. And one of the players that I think that they'll actually really look to try to move is Tim Settle. So look for Tim Settle to be on the move. While I do think that he'll make the initial 53-man roster, he may may not because he may be involved in a potential trade leading up to the end of training camp or leading up to the beginning of the season. He's somebody who's, I think he's entering, uh, I think he has two more years on his deal. Oh, no, he's entering the last year of his deal because he wasn't a first-round pick yet. So he's entering year four, and he's somebody that has been very productive in the amount of snaps that he has. His production per snap um, ratio is one of the highest in the league, and I think that you can get a player um, a player that you really need in one of those other positions that really don't have those embarrassment of riches as the defensive tackles have uh, for somebody like Tim Settle. So look for somebody like Tim Settle to be potentially on the trading block. That will hurt me, um, but, you know, business 
business is business and you know that's the best way to build up a roster construction and you know we're in the business of winning with the Washington football team now I, I can't say that for the previous 20 years but now in this new era in this Rivera era we're in the business of winning so moving on to our linebackers moving on to our linebackers the linebackers that I have us keeping our first round draft pick Jamin Davis Cole Holcomb Kalik Hudson, David Mayo, and John Bostic. Now, if you guys listen to my episode 19, the collaboration part that I referred to earlier in the episode, I actually mentioned John Bostic as being one of the potential cuts, um, potential surprise cuts for the Washington football team coming out of the 2021 training camp. And the reason is because I just don't think that he was that good last season. Like, just straightforward, honest. He wasn't really that good last season. And one of the trends that we started to really notice and one of the things that was really we can count on week in and week out is Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera trashing linebacker play in their weekly press conferences following the game. And I think that they were really calling out John Bostic. Now, his play did get better over the late half of the season, but I don't know if that had more to do with the defensive defensive line just being so dominant that you had no choice but to, but to look good because they were that dominant in the later half of the season or if you actually decide if you heard what coach Rivera and coach Del Rio were saying that you actually decided to step your game up bro um but you know John Bostic um I actually I wrote him down as the last name because I was trying to figure out a way that you know he can't he couldn't make this Washington football team roster um I think guys like you know Jamin Davis is a lot first round draft pick Cole Holcomb should be a lot he's somebody that I think has a potential of having like 110 or 120 tackle season and then you got a guy like Khalid Hudson who, you know, uh, Ron Rivera seems to be in love with. He always mentions him when he um, says guys that have the big, can, have the capabilities of playing the big nickel position. And he mentions him, and his name stands up because he mentions him among the likes of, like, Landon Collins and Cam Curl, and those are guys are DBs. So he's mentioning Khalid Hudson in that same light. And then um, if we can remember, you know, Khalid Hudson plays almost every special team, and he contributes on almost every special team. So he's near a roster lock. A guy like David Mayo is coming off a very solid season with the New York Giants even though it's rather unheralded and a lot of guys don't know about him he's a very solid player and I think that he actually had a better season um you know per snap ratio and production wise than John Bostic the reason that John Bostic made this roster is because I simply didn't find anybody or six linebacker that I could have put over John Bostic so remember I said that Shaka Tony has the potential to play an off-ball linebacker role so he can be that six linebacker and then you know um John Bostic still may potentially be that surprise cut. My uh, prediction from episode 19 may still hold true because a guy like Jared Norris actually contributes more on special teams, and I can easily see Ron Rivera going in the favor of somebody like that as opposed to John Bostic, who's strictly a defensive linebacker um, and strictly a middle linebacker at this point in his career. All right, moving on to the cornerbacks. I have us keeping, how many cornerbacks is this? I was keeping six cornerbacks. The cornerbacks I have us keeping are William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Daryl Roberts, Jimmy Moreland, and Danny Johnson. Okay, so I think that, you know, the, the top three cornerbacks are locked up. I think that William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, and Benjamin St. Juice are going to see majority of your time, especially when you're playing, you know, your nickel and your dime packages when you'll need multiple defensive backs on the field. I think that this is the season where we allow Kendall Fuller to um, slide back into the slot where he was dominant in the 2017 season in his first tenure with Washington and allow William Jackson and BSJ, um, Benjamin St. Juice, who's the 6'3 corner that we drafted out of Minnesota, 
to, to lock guys up on the outside. You guys know how I feel about William Jackson. I've said it in almost every Bleeding BNG episode. I think that he's one of the better cover corners in the league, and I think he has the potential of locking down nearly every receiver in the NFL. So if you pair him with Kendall back in the slot, and then you have a 6-3 freak, and Benjamin St. Juice, who possesses the fastest short shuttle, uh, short shuttle time in the entire draft. So you know he has good hips, and you know he's going to be moving with those guys, um, those boundary receivers and things like that. I think that this secondary can flourish. So then you have a guy like Daryl Roberts, who can potentially be your backup nickel. And then our fan favorite, or you guys' fan favorite in the Washington football team community, I think that Jimmy Moreland, you know, he makes the roster just scratching and clawing, and he makes the end of this roster. Um, I think Jimmy Moreland regressed in his second season, and I don't know how 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 favorably um, the regime um, of Coach Rivera and Coach Del Rio and everybody else in the front office thinks of Jimmy Moreland. We have to remember, just like Kelvin Harmon, Jimmy Moreland was brought in in the 2019 draft. So that's not uh, a part of the Rivera era. And like I said, he's somebody that regressed. And I think that, you know, Washington um, with Martin Mayhew and Coach Rivera and, you know, Coach Del Rio, I think they have a philosophy of liking bigger corners, which Jimmy Moreland isn't. He's about 5'9 at best. So I think that he he scratches and claws his way onto the roster just because he is capable of making some plays. And, you know, he has a pretty good attitude. Um, I know early last season, Coach Rivera was talking about how he loved how Jimmy was talking in practice. So, you know, may, hey, maybe, you know, his personality helps him hold on to that end of the roster spot. And then the sixth defensive back or the sixth corner that I have us keeping is Danny Johnson. That's solely for return purposes only because I don't really think that we have a, a returner to supplant him on a depth chart. And he didn't necessarily do bad last year. Like I told you, I think a lot of the coaching staff just told him, like, Danny, just fill the cat. Just fill the kick. Field the kick. That's all you can do for us. Field the kick. Um, and then when he did um, when he did um, try to return some kicks, he did show some speed. Uh, I know the numbers didn't look great, but he did show some speed and acceleration. Um, and I just think that, you know, he's, he's, he's the best thing that we have right now. I know we bought in a guy like DeAndre Carter, but I don't see him supplanting one of the seven wide receivers that I have making the final 53-man projection. And last but not least, on to our safeties. Remember, I said that I have Landon Collins starting the season on the physically unable to perform, the PUP list. So the safeties that I have us keeping are four. We have Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, DeShazer Everett, and Derek Forrest. I think that Bobby McCain and Cam Curl are going to start out as your safeties, I mean as your starters. With Cam, with Bobby McCain playing primarily the free safety and Cam playing primarily the strong. But, you know, they're both interchangeable. I think DeShazer Everett is going to make this roster because he's still our special team's ace. He's a guy that has been considered our special team's captain since, I believe, 2016. So he had, he's, the, he's one of the backbones of this team, guys. And if you guys can remember, when he filled in the safety role last year in the pinch, he was body bagging guys. He was, he was tagging. I'll never forget the hit he laid on Raheem Mostert on the side line against the San Francisco 49ers. The Shaves of Everett was, was smacking dudes before he messed up his shoulder injury. Um, and I saw I saw a lot of improvement. I think that Ron loves a guy like the Shaves of Everett who's willing to put his body on the line and to do whatever the coach asks of him. So I think that the Shaves of Everett is going to make it. And then our fifth round draft pick, Derek Forrest, is going to make the roster over a guy like Jeremy Reeves. If you guys can remember, um, Ron, Coach Rivera, uh, I, think, I believe it was Coach Rivera, or it might have been 
um, coach uh, Katzker, or whoever the special teams coach is for the Washington football team right now, they said that they considered Derek Forrest the best special teamer in the draft. If you guys can remember, they said the same thing about Kalik Hudson last season. So I think that these are two of the reasons why these are one of the reasons why these two guys have a pretty good um, hold on a roster spot is because you know these guys are held in high regards, if not on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball, they are held in high regard on the special team side of the ball. You got to think to for you to get your best special teams player in two thousand in back to back draft class. That's building up to be a pretty solid special teams unit. So I think that Derek Forrest is going to make the roster over um, Jeremy Reeves and potentially play that backup free safety position. Not sure how his range is, um, but he he did show some you know center field ability and some deep high um, single high ability in college. And I think that you know he's going to have to develop and improve on that. But he's going to fill in as your backup free safety in his rookie year. So that's it, guys. That's all 53. I hope I didn't go too fast for you. I tried to give you guys an in-depth breakdown of all positions and all players. I appreciate you guys tuning in to episode 20 of the Bleeding BNG podcast. If you're looking at this on YouTube, um, you can always subscribe, please. I appreciate always. I appreciate your subscriptions. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate the comments you leave. If you're listening to us, please follow our social media. Our Instagram is at Bleeding BNG. I will leave the tag for the YouTube fab so you guys can see. That spelling is at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. B-N-G, and then our Twitter spelling is a tad bit different. That spelling is at bleeding, B-L-E-E-D-I-N, B-N-G, and I'll leave that tag for my YouTube fam as well for the Twitter handle as well. Like I said, guys, at this point, we're on all podcast platforms, so be sure to check us out. If you're looking, if you're um, following us on Apple and Spotify specifically, please rate, please comment, please review because um, it really helps the algorithm and we're trying to be put on the map like I said guys we want to be your number one foot, uh, content hub for everything Washington football team related so I hope you enjoy episode 20 of the Bleeding BNG podcast like I said we're going to come back after roster cuts and see how accurate we, we were I think I went 53 out of 53 but like I said um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in to episode 20 of the Bleeding BNG podcast I'll see you guys soon peace <laughs>